0: Previously, on the Tony Kornheiser Show. The jewel thieves work by, it's a confidence game. That's how they do it. When they finally get to steal the jewelry, it's because they've covered all the angles. They know how you're going to react. They're taking your jewelry. They're not... Breaking into your house in the middle of the night? They're smarter than Great that. Great
1: pictures of some family heirlooms. A lovely brooch that I was sort of eyeing for Liz. Yeah. Uh,
0: but and, We can uh, buy it out of Georgia. This, yeah. <laughs> the Tony Cornizer Show is on now. I hope people read that story. It was in the actual paper the other day. Any updates? No, but I would think that within the next week... Four or five or six or eight or ten different people with experience with this particular fellow and um, his paramour over all those years are going to come out of the woodwork. They're going to call the guy who wrote the story. They're going to say, I got a story for you. And it's just going to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what's going to be the fun part. You know, when when other people come out, you know, my question, my original question, Jeannie and I talked about this at length. My original question was, did the son who was angry, did he have an ax to grind? Was he estranged from his family? Right, is where, there, where are you, the other brothers? Right. Yeah. Is there something about him? But th- we haven't heard anything like that yet. It's not an Aaron Rodgers family situation yet. We haven't heard anything yeah, like that. I don't it. know. So, yeah. Anyway. So maybe one of
1: them's going on The Bachelor.
0: Yeah. So we'll stay tuned and see how that works. One goes on The Bachelor and then one goes on Jeopardy. And that's how it works. I got this lovely note. Look, first of all, let me just show this. George Millay with another beautiful horse painting. Oh, sure. Look just that. beautiful. And he writes... Is that a trot? A canter? It looks like a trotter, but I don't know. And there's no young man on top of it? No. It has been a long stretch since I fired off a note. I've moved to Indianapolis (laughs) to join the woman to whom I plan to be related by marriage, and I've yet to set up my art studio. This is a doodle I did sometimes back and found while unpacking boxes. I just want to send along a note to let you know I found the Mitch album interview at Once Touching and Brilliant. It also marked the first time my girl listened to the entire podcast with me. In other news, I've landed gainful television work here in Indianapolis. I host a morning show called Lifestyle Live. Isn't that nice? That's great. It's a fun, lighthearted program, entirely different from anything else I've done. I'm also getting an opportunity to host a weekend sports betting show called All Indiana Bets, in which we pick games and drink bourbon. It's crazy fun. And they're going to get married on October 15th in Bethany Beach, Isn't that lovely? In order to make it convenient for me, and and George writes, my mother wants to meet the man who cheerfully talks about watercolor doodles on what I've described to her as a radio program. Isn't that lovely? It's lovely. So we wish George and Kathy all the best. Um, I was going to talk about the Olympics this morning and my lack of knowledge and even interest in the Olympics, which are going to start in about an hour and a half. (laughs) Yes, Like, the last Olympics just stopped about I don't know 4 days ago and the next ones are going to start in about an it hour. It never ahead.
1: really starts until Tariq goes on a rooftop. Yeah, there you go. So
0: so this is the interesting thing and I don't know how I don't know how true what I'm about to say is. I don't know. Tracy was telling me that there is a report that the NBC talent will not be in China. That they will be calling these events from Connecticut where they have NBC has a big bunch of studios in Connecticut. Do we think that's true? Because we do expect to see Tariqo up above Tiananmen Square, don't we? In Beijing, we expect to see that.
1: Is this a network decision? Is this a a group of personalities making
0: a political statement on their own? Don't know. I would imagine it's a network decision. Yeah, that's... And this is the other thing I wondered about. I mean, are people going to events? Like we heard we... I'll reference Sally from the other day. said she hadn't been to one live event in a couple of years. When ESPN broadcasts the Australian Open, are they there?
2: Uh, is, are there, the ESPN personalities the Talent there? there? I believe they are. No, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I know. I know some other people in the world of tennis that have not traveled over there for this. Yeah. Whether it's because of Naomi Osaka went out, right? She did. Yes, yeah, she lost mm-hmm. to uh, Anisimova last night. Yeah. So. At least she's playing. Yes. At yeah. least she's playing. So, yeah. so y- y- y-
0: I think it's fair to conclude that the more she plays, the more she has a a mental equilibrium about playing tennis. I would think and so. And that would be good. She's yeah. a very good player. She is. And so you want to see her do well, though she may not be ready to do well. A bunch of people went out early. Yes. You know, Muguruva is supposed to be really good, and <laughs> Raducanu yes and Raducanu the U.S. Lost, Open. Yes,
2: Sloane Stephens lost to her in the first round match. Went, and, but why? no more
1: no more Blake <laughs> Tronin situations.
0: What is a Blake Trinan Deportation. Oh, no. Oh, that's Novak so <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, <laughs> that I wanted to deport. No, no deport, deportations yet. Anyway, let me get to what I'm going to begin with today. I have two notes here. One I cannot read. Um, one's from Wendy. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but I got this nice note from Barry Landsberg. Now, nobody knows who Barry Landsberg is except me, but he used to go to Camp Tioga seven or eight or nine or ten years younger than I am, and he was a, always a good friend with Peter Melman. In fact, he introduced me to Peter Melman. And he writes, I've enjoyed the podcast for many years. You would think if you knew me, and I know you know me, you would think you would have made this known a little bit earlier, right? Right. I've enjoyed the podcast for many years, but never more than during the last two years of this unending pandemic. You, Michael, Nigel, and your regular guests have supplied unfailingly great entertainment, well-thought-out opinions, spirited disagreements, ample laughs, and plenty of touching moments during an otherwise challenging time for so many. I am less happy on those days when the podcast does not air during my daily walks in Santa Monica. But then I mitigate the loss with PTI. Thanks for all of this. We have some connection, and not just connective tissue. We lived about 100 yards apart in Long Beach, you on Harrison and me on Neptune Boulevard. I know the house well. I know Barry's house very well. I went to Camp Tioga with Carol and Pam. I introduced you to Melman, still one of my closest friends in 1973 when you called me, then a freshman in College Park, about a piece you were then writing on the Maryland basketball team for Newsday, I think. You, Peter, and I even had dinner at my home about 30 years ago when you were in L.A. covering a live event. And of course, anyone who knows me knows I do not remember that. <laughs> I don't. I have no recollection of that. Carol talked about Susie Calber coming over here for dinner with her parents and described it in great detail. I have no recollection. No recollection. None. Zero. <laughs> anyway, thanks for all you and the crew do to brighten my days and please keep at it. Best, Barry. That's really sweet. Isn't that nice? I just wish, you know, it's 30 years. You know. <laughs> could have reached that earlier, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is from Rieger. Now Do I need to leave the room? I can't read it. <laughs> I can only read some of it um, because it's filthy and it's suggestive. It's wonderful. Should, I love it. Should I read the text she sent me? Yes, go ahead. And I love Wendy. Yeah, uh, Wendy's the greatest guest we've ever had on
2: this show. Absolutely, most dangerous woman in, in, the in world. DC. Yes, in the in world. the world, kicking Actually, out windshield. <laughs> she said uh, she was looking for her email. She said had a capitalized fabulous dream about King Kornheiser that I must share with you. Turquoise short shorts are forever changed for me, Wendy. Okay. <laughs> now everybody knows that Wendy has retired. Wendy has gotten married.
0: Wendy has publicly. Uh, in a battle with cancer. She has made that very public, so I'm not saying anything that you know, that everybody doesn't know. And everybody knows I love Wendy Reeker. Yes. I've always loved Wendy Reeker. She writes, You have wandered about in my imagination in the many months since COVID sent you underground I fear you are now transmitting from your basement on a potato radio like the ones you boys made in seventh grade shop class. <laughs> Even the red lipstick that transformed my mouth into a Kornheiser trademark has been reduced to a sad smear inside a mask. If I hold it to my ear, it whispers, he'll be back. Just... And at 4 a.m. yesterday morning, you came back in a dream. I was in a restaurant. I was there with several longtime male friends and a few guys I used to date, including Belly Rub. Do you remember that guy she talked <laughs> oh, about? Yeah. <clears throat> this time he didn't ask as we were arranging ourselves around the table you walked in wearing turquoise super, super short shorts and a red t-shirt <laughs> it's <just>
3: not...
0: <clears throat> unbelievable you announced you were going to the pool but wanted to see me first I was so stunned I still can't feel some parts of my body I walked you to the table sat down and insisted you sit in my lap there was a great deal of hubbub as we struggled to arrange your long and very hairy legs across the arm of the dining room chair I remember being thankful you had not gone swimming yet, as I did not want you behind, leaving a big wet spot in my lap. Once you got settled, I affectionately put my arms around you and rubbed your back as I gently rocked you in the chair, softly asking if you felt safe now. You leaned your head against mine and in that classic Kornheiser tone that reveals a rising annoyance. You said emphatically, you know the CDC says spooning is dangerous. (laughs) What? I should have tossed you aside and gone over and rubbed belly guy's ample stomach. Maybe a genie would have come out of his behind. Instead, I rocked you vigorously and put my red lips to your ear, and I whispered something I can't say about the CDC. At that point, I felt someone's smooth legs rub against mine, and it startled me awake. They were my husband's. That's so fabulous. <laughs> It's so fabulous, fabulous. and the next two paragraphs are impossible to read. (laughs) It's impossible. It's signed Big Smooch's Wendy, so it's just great. That's fantastic. Um, You need to show that to Aldridge. uh, Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, as we all perform together. Um, Yeah, we did Paradise by the Dashboard Light, I believe in the New Zealand embassy 30 years Yes, I think I recall that. That I do remember, that I do remember, because Wendy was involved in it. Uh, Most of you people know that I like to talk about weather here, and I, I just wanted to talk about the weather that we missed yesterday. There was, and it went on for days, there was the forecast for days that the following thing would happen. There would be rain between Wednesday night and Thursday morning. The rain would change into a violent burst of snow for three to four hours. This would overtake the entire Washington, D.C. metropolitan area and leave one to two inches or one to three inches of snow on the ground. Not an enormous amount, but it would come in a large burst. And the main talking point was, should you have school or not? Now, Wilbon called me yesterday from New York, and he said, I called my house, and Matthew answers the phone. Do they ever have school in Washington, (laughs) D.C.? Do they ever? And I explained to him, well, this is what was supposed to happen. And it was because that window was right at the time when the school buses would be taking kids to school that they said, we we probably shouldn't do it. Now, the storm did not materialize. The rain did materialize for a longer period of time than people expected at a warmer temperature than people expected. And, in fact, it never got below freezing in Washington Till about 5 or 6 o'clock yesterday. It hovered around 32 or 33. It would have been enough for the, for the snow, had there been snow, to accumulate on grassy areas and on the sidewalks. It would not have been a threat to driving or anything like that. But everybody got it wrong, including Doug Cameron. He got it wrong. Did he apologize? I don't know. I don't think so. You know, because I don't think TV weather people, and I love them all, I don't think they ever apologize. I think they say, oh, this is what happened. They don't tell you we got it wrong. They say this is what happened. Maybe camera said I got it wrong. But the Capital Weather Gang, who I revere, said they got it wrong. And they explained what they were looking for in the models. And they explained their reticence at the beginning of the forecast. They said, you know, we felt we weren't sure it was going to be this big burst of snow. We were concerned that the temperature would not decrease to such a point that any snow would fall or stick. We didn't get any snow. I didn't, on my weather apps yesterday, which are set for my exact street, I have four different weather apps set for my street, and they said at various times from 7 to 10 in the morning, it's snowing now. And I looked out my windows, and raining. it wasn't snowing. It was raining. <laughs> it wasn't sleeting. It wasn't so It wasn't doing anything. So the Capital Weather Gang tried to explain how this happens, how you get it wrong, which people like me appreciate. We appreciate if you explain how you got it wrong. We're happy when you get it wrong and it's more benign than you said it was going to be. Well, I'm happy. You know, others are not happy. Melissa Malay is not happy. Melissa Malay, you know, if you want to live in snow, move to the Yukon. It snows <laughs> all the time. Do the do the you know the traffic in the Yukon and say, so, oh can't can't get around that traffic circle. There's eight feet of snow. Okay. <laughs> so they always want snow. The camera always wants. Snow. I guess weather people want sure, variety. It's a, it's a weather event. You yeah. know, that's what they want. You're describing
1: the difference between TV and print. Well, the TV what the, people have a they'll tease a they'll tease Saturday storm
0: tonight at eleven. Yeah, and what the print people said is we never, ever fear cast. Was a shot at Kevin. Yeah. I'm sure we <laughs> never ever fear. We don't want it to be. We don't want to be wrong. Right. We want to be right. And they explained that we had all of this modeling, and all the modeling accounted for a large temperature swing, the likes of which we saw a couple of weeks ago that ended up stranding everybody for 25 hours, like Tracy on I-95, yeah. coming out of a 65 degree day and going down to 20. So the Capital Weather Gang was saying, "Well, we saw that recently." So we were not inclined to disbelieve that it would happen again, and they explained that the models backed off. The closer they got to the event, more and more models were backing off. They tell you what everybody says. They print it out there. Like Kevin used to say, the Nam, as if he was the only in the GFS. <laughs> they print out about nine of these things, yeah. and they let you know. So, um, uh, so all credit to them. I'm happy that we didn't get anything horrific. And then there was supposed to also be a snowstorm tonight into tomorrow, Friday night into Saturday. But that's, I think, going to be south of us. And And Doug Cameron also said, I'm backing off that. He did say that a couple of days ago. I'm backing off the Saturday. You know, I don't mean to just attack Cameron because I watch Cameron. Yeah, that's your that's But your TV guys, don't, they don't say they're wrong. There must be a code where, where they say, I don't I'll never say you're wrong. <laughs> I never, they say <laughs> what happened, but don't ever can, sort of concede that you might have gotten no, they're, wrong. They're forward-facing TV people. I, I guess that's what happens. But the Capital Weather Gang in the Washington Post. Very, very good, I think. Yeah, you know, they're the best. You yeah. know, and if there's any kind of system. Jason Salmonow or Sammy, Sammy, as his uh, kids at camp called him. <laughs> you know, there's other, there's four or five other guys. Yeah. West Junker. We don't believe there is a West Junker. <laughs> we believe that's Kevin. We believe that's Kevin. The, lo-
1: the local questions with schools is, uh, you know, at this point, I think they're looking for any excuse to have a reason to cancel just until the numbers are
0: really coming down. Yes. So and, to and our delays, a lot of the drivers. A lot of the drivers are substitute drivers. A lot of the drivers are ill. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing this with your mail carriers and all sorts of people. This stuff flies around yeah. and infects everybody, you know, unless you just live in hermetically sealed, pretty much like I am. So, all right, we will take a break. Um, when we come back, Jason Lock and Fora will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: The Tony Kornheiser
0: Show. This is the Shopify ad. Shopify is more than a store. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day to day. Shopify instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify, this is the part I like, has thousands of integrations and third party apps from on demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots to and beyond. I have no idea, Michael. I have no idea what that means. I'm with you, Dad. (laughs) Chatbox. I have no idea what that means. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success. Discover endless possibility. Shopify is tirelessly reinventing tools of growth for over 1.7 million businesses, helping them to succeed every day. Can you explain what Shopify does?
1: Uh, yes, they're going to help you reach a wider audience. They're going to help you take that idea, whether it's in a physical store, in the online space. They're if you own you on, a business. Yeah, they're going to help you on the back end in terms of processing and shipping. Not everyone has a rob in their life, so they're going to help you take care of uh, the the hardships of trying to get things actually out to people and make sure that goes smoothly. So
0: it's not for just average people who work for a living. It's for people who own businesses. Yes. well, I, I just need to make sure of that. You could open up a it's little side hustle. It's not for some hustle. rum-dum like me. <laughs> It's not. It's if you own a business. Go to shopify.com slash Tony K. That's all lowercase for a free 14 day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Grow your business Like See? this could be for mom's your knitting. Business. Right. Go to sh- That would be great. But she has to actually knit. Henry's Go hat. to shopify.com slash Tony K right now. Shopify.com slash Tony K.
3: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: Let me read the email. My name is Pat McGee, a singer-songwriter originally from Annandale, Virginia, and founder of Pat McGee Band. It was great to hear that loyal little Kenny Ray was in the audience to see TK TK Show royalty Dan Byrne and I perform together at the 30A Songwriter Festival last weekend. I met Dan about 10 seconds before we started the show, and what ensued was pure musical joy. We connected instantly, even though our music is different in style. It's like meeting a random guy on a pickup hoops court, then smoking the other two guys in a game of two-on-two in front of a captive audience. Dan and I had a great vibe going, and I know we'll do lots more together musically. He has amazing ears, and that's clearly what makes him a fantastic songwriter and performer. As mentioned, I'm a D.C. area guy. regularly encounter the connective tissue of the show at my concerts across the country. I heard from at least 10 people when you merely mentioned my name. I like Dan. Keep the eyelids open on those long drives to podcasts. Love your show. This comes from um, The Section, right? Studio, music- studio and stage musicians, The Sections, who track legendary albums for Carole King, James Taylor, Jackson Brown, and many more. That's great. It was the equivalent of getting drafted by any pro sports team for me. What a dream. And then he said, I had the exact same thought on the beloved and iconic theme song from Cheers being used by Applebee's. (laughs) Can't be. Shame. This is called Broken Heart. We'll play Pat McGee later in the show as well. This is called Broken Heart, and it plays in Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports and, of course, of his own radio show in Baltimore. Um, I have a bunch of little questions before we get to games, if we even get to games. What was Arians doing slapping his player Mm. in the head? What was he doing? Everybody saw uh, yeah. that. He got fined 50 large for that. What was he doing?
4: Yeah. Um,
5: channeling Woody Hayes? I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he lost his cool. The interesting thing about it is, you know, he's got the torn ACL, so he's got to, like, hobble, literally, you know, and wobble his way over there. But he did it in in pretty short order. Uh, you know, he, he lost his cool. Um it's obviously not the same as striking a college player on an opposing team. Right. right. But it is, you know, it, it it is generally frowned upon, and you're not supposed to be um, putting your hands on people. Uh, and, I mean, he does have this sort of cool uncle vibe about him that probably lets him to get get away with some things that some other coaches might get returned fire for. But I don't think we're going to see it again, Tone. I'll put it that way. I don't think it's going to become um, – You know, his calling card.
0: Let me get to a thing that's more important about him as far as I'm concerned. You kick a field goal with a minute 11 left. You go up by 19 points. You cannot lose the game. Why is he going on fourth down, which then keeps the game at 16, where you theoretically can be tied and go into overtime? Anybody with a mind is going to kick the field goal. Why wouldn't he? Unless you think I'm wrong about that.
5: No. Well, I mean, the only thing I could think of is they they felt like it was one way traffic there, that they were the superior team, that this was almost like, I mean, a quasi buy because of the limitations of that Eagles' offense against their defense right. and, and what Jalen Hurts could and couldn't do. He might be giving his, you know, trying to give his guys a shot in the arm and also just practice, almost like use it as special situations, like. You know, okay, we know this kid probably make the field goal. But let's, you know what I mean, let's get ourselves in this. Let's take advantage of this opportunity to run something, to put something on film, to try something, because we might really need that in a more competitive football game.
0: Okay, I'll buy that. What is his opinion of himself, though? It's very high. Right, Arians thinks he's very smart, doesn't he? I get that Um, sense.
5: I mean, look, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder because people waited so long to give him an opportunity that he's proven right. to be clearly worthy of. Oh, sure. uh, I, I think he's very well-liked. He's very down-to-earth. You know, he's a kind of a regular dude from around York, PA. Um, he enjoys his life. He, I mean, he, he, he you know, he's work-hard-play-hard kind of guy. Um, he's always related to players. Uh, clearly, his quarterbacks have had, you know, great affinity for him. Through the years, uh, I, think, I mean, he's, he's won a Super Bowl. He did some pretty, you know, the, the situation um, with the Colts, you know, where he had to take over the team and leads them to the playoffs and ends up being, you know, I think he won a Coach of the Year that year as an interim, which you never see. So, yeah, but. I
0: mean, All right, I'll back no, away. Find me a
5: head coach who thinks he's, you know what I mean, who, who yeah. uh, has, you know, doesn't have a little something-something to him.
0: Okay, I'll back away from that because uh, I, I appreciate your knowledge on it. Let me go to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott got fined, I guess, for saying yeah. it's okay to throw stuff at referees. He didn't just say it once. I watched sure. the press conference. He said it three or four times. <clears throat> he has since apologized for doing that. Why yeah. did it take so long to apologize? I mean, that, doesn't question. somebody jump into his ear and say, what are you doing?
5: Well, I think it took so long to apologize because I don't think the apology was all that sincere. Like, when it takes that long, you know what I mean? Three sincere. or four days of people saying, like, bro, is that really the example you want to set? Like, is that truly how you feel? Like, yeah. you know, what are we talking about here? And, and, and here's the thing. It, it, what it really speaks to is this I think this underlying Cowboys BS that we've talked about in the past that is part of the reason why I will always be I will always fade the Cowboys. I will always be a Cowboys skeptic in a big spot. There's sort of a sense of entitlement. There is this belief that well, if it just doesn't happen this year, it won't be our fault. It'll be because of injuries or it'll be because you know, just one bad matchup, or it'll be because, well, you know, we just had too many penalties that day, but we were the better team. Or, you know what I mean, bad luck, or all oh, the officials screwed us. Like, you know, Dez wasn't a catch. Like, you haven't won anything that matters in forever. And That's you right. come in every year because your owner picks all the players, thinking you're somehow superior or he beats it into your head that we're, that we're great and this is our year. Like, they set expectations in the worst way possible. They said, set them too high and you'll always fail. That's the cowboy way. Um, and I think there was an undercurrent of that in this. And And, 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 and the sad thing is, you didn't know that, like, you're going to tell me you practice that game all the time and you're the quarterback and you're the team captain and he's the coach, and neither one of you owned it. Neither one of you really took accountability for it and explained why it failed and how it could have succeeded. Like, the, that umpire's got to touch the ball before it's an official play. That's the rule. Get the ball to him ASAP. They didn't do that. Now, could he have taken a different route to get there, yada, yada, yada? I mean, maybe, but we're really going to get – if your season comes down to the athleticism of the umpire, shame on you.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, Just as a small follow-up, do you expect Mike McCarthy to be the coach of this team next year?
5: Most likely. um, Okay. Most likely, and he will go in under – Great duress, but uh, there's some, you know, dynamics going on. We've talked about this before. I, I'm the whole Kellen Moore is a whiz kid thing. I I've never seen the empirical evidence to back it up. But good luck watching a Cowboys broadcast without those talking points having been um yeah. pushed to the broadcast crew uh and you know, ad nauseum and then that again is is filtered back to the listener or watcher. Uh and he clearly has uh, you know what? There's eight openings. He's going to interview for at least half of them. So, and he's an impressive guy, and and I think he'll interview very well, and he has in the past. You know, so despite the fact you could look at his offense and say, nah, I mean you can't get the ball to Ceedee Lamb, but I'm supposed to believe you're you're one of the brightest offensive minds in the world. He still may get one of these, and Dan Quinn is going to get one of these. So. You know, they're going to have to rebuild, and those guys will probably take a guy or two with them. So they're going to have to rebuild the infrastructure there a little bit. And through that conversation, and trust me, Jerry's going to want to be very involved in that. Jerry's the one who told McCarthy in the first place, hey, you want this job. This kid's your offensive coordinator, and he's your play caller. So could there be, a, 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 you know, some, some a, a rub there? Could there be some tension there? Um, you know, could Jerry want to bring Mike Zimmer in as the D coordinator and McCarthy say, "Oh my God, he just wore everybody else in Minnesota." You know, he's wore everybody out in Minnesota. Like, that's not really the demeanor I want. I don't know that that's a fit. There's certainly possibility for for some of these conversations to get um, a little bit tense and terse. So, I think they're signaling pretty strongly that you know he's our guy for another year, but. The Giants were also sending a whole lot of messages about Joe Judge right up until they weren't anymore.
0: Yeah. Um speaking of coaching, do you hear anything about Harbaugh going to the NFL? Do you expect yes. Jim Harbaugh in the NFL?
5: I think I mean I think it's more likely than not that he ends up back in, in Ann Arbor, but there's certainly a whole lot of winking and flirting going on right now. Um whether he, you know, actually uh, you know, consummates a deal with Mark Davis to coach the Raiders or not remains to be seen. Um, but look, I would just, look, I, 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 that process is ongoing. There's a lot of people who, you know, said for years that Mark Davis will never get a guy with a whole lot of options to coach his team. And then he, you know, he got the Gruden thing done. And there were a lot of people who said, there's no way Mark Davis will be the guy who ends up in Vegas. Like, he's not going to be able to pull that off. No. A lot of people did a lot of the heavy lifting, but he's still playing in Vegas. It still happens. So um, it's possible, Tony. I don't know that I would say it's super likely, but it's possible.
0: Okay. Um, the Eagles committed to Jalen Hurts. I, I, I'm going to just bring this up. Three Alabama quarterbacks in a row, Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Mac Jones. I don't know that they've got NFL arms. The best pass that Mac Jones threw against Buffalo resulted in the most thrilling play of the weekend, the interception by Micah Hyde. Um, Jalen Hurts had a guy wide open in the end zone, and a guy closed from the other end of the end zone and intercepted that. Is Jalen Hurts the right guy?
5: Well, I can understand them seeing enough there to be willing to let him open another season as the guy. Does he close next season as a guy? I think that remains to be seen. Um, Mm. It could be a situation that's like, you know, Howie's got three of the first 19 picks, and he's always a mover and a shaker. Whether that means moving down some and getting a quarterback at the end of the first round so you can still have the fifth-year option on him, but you're not investing, you know, the higher draft capital he has with the first two picks. It would not shock me if this looks a little bit like it did. Jeez, I'm trying to do math in my head. I guess it's been six years now since. Remember when he had Sam Bradford, who we all kind of knew, like, you know, he'll win a game, he'll help you win some games, and, like, you know, he'll be okay, but you ain't going anywhere with Sam Bradford. And, and look, I think Hurts, that's still to be determined, but it's somewhat similar, right. and then he had Wentz. And he didn't expect to be playing Wentz as fast as he was, but then Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, and he got a one for Bradford. And then, you know what I mean, they started the the process with the other guy. I don't know, again, that somebody's going to get hurt in the preseason and it will allow that to open up, but he's always got one eye open when it comes to to the trade market. So I I think they will add to that quarterback room with another young, you know, whether he's a a top-flight first-round pick or a developmental guy in the second or third round or whatever. But I do think they'll address that, but it won't be someone who will have the pedigree because this draft class, no one is necessarily plug-and-play. Who's Who, you know what I mean, who you're going to have to make the case from day one that, like, well, you've got to play that guy. Um, and, and, you know, look, Hurts has a ways to go, but I, I, there's certainly some things he did uh, for that football team that, as water, whether, you know, we can say it's watered down and this or that, and it is. You know, and did some of these teams that were in the playoffs really, really have any business being in? Maybe not, but this is how it works now. You know, I, I, I think you have to give him some credit for as little as he's played. Um, that team has looked better and has been – it helps the defense out when they run the ball the way they've I been. Mean, they've been a more complimentary team. They've been more, much more of a functioning NFL team the last couple of years when he's played versus when he's not.
0: He's a natural leader. I don't know yes. if he has an NFL arm. Right. I don't know, but he is a natural leader. I'll get you out of here on this, and then you'll plug your radio show. This is a typical PTI question. Of the four games coming up, which game, in your mind, is most likely to yield an upset? Which underdog? An upset. Um,
5: I think San Francisco's a dangerous football team. Um. Now, they don't have the bye, and I get it. They're, you know, beat up coming off this last game, although it sounds like Warner and Bosa are going to play, and Garoppolo's not on the injury list, although we know, you know, clearly he's been dealing with some stuff. And Green Bay's going to get back. You know, we'll see about Bakhtiari. He didn't practice yesterday. Maybe that was part of the plan. Maybe it wasn't. But between him, Zadari Smith, Jair Alexander, you would look at that and say, well, wow, well, they're coming off a bye and they're getting all these guys back, potentially. And um, those guys, when they're right, are, are, are superstars at very key positions when you're talking left tackle, edge rusher, and uh, and corner. But they're not. Green Bay against the run is not special, and Green Bay facing sort of some of the the, the funkier looks that they've seen that teams do in the run game, um, not great. And Green Bay on early downs, first and second down against the run, particularly suspect. And and we know what Kyle Shanahan can do in the run game, and he's got Debo activated. They've they found this you know Elijah Moore kid. They've they've unlocked him. They're using the hell out of the fullback use check. I do think there's a scenario where the 49ers play keep away and on the other side are able to get pressure with four. Um, I don't love Green Bay secondary, and I I do fear Jimmy Garoppolo stepping in his own poo at the worst possible time. But Kyle's (laughs) won a lot of games with him. Kyle's winning percentage with him and without him are vastly different. And I think that's a confident football team right now. That's a bully. That team's built as big, strong, bully, foot, bully kind of ball team. And I don't think it's the greatest matchup in the world for Green Bay. Do I, do I suspect ultimately Green Bay scores a point or two more than them? Probably. And I know Lambeau's tough. But I, I think that spread around five and a half or six seems awful big to me. And I wouldn't be shocked if San Francisco won another football game.
0: All right, plug your radio show. You've just given people enormous knowledge. I love that.
5: I don't know about that, but I can I, can I sell do. it. Uh, Tone, are, are you a Gambrels guy? Have you spent much time in Gambrils through, through, through your, your long and distinguished career here around Not Maryland? Not much
0: time. Not much me, time. Me neither. Sometime. But I'm going yeah. to
5: be a big Gambrels guy this afternoon, if you're anywhere around there. And I'll be honest, I don't even know exactly where it is, but I, thank God for ways. We will be yeah. doing uh, Inside Access from 2 to 6 on this here Friday, from the Green Turtle and Gambrel. So um, if you want to throw food at me or maybe throw a drink in my face, that would be the perfect opportunity because I'm becoming more and more of a recluse, uh, by and large. If you want to listen to people throw food and beer at me, you could do so on the Odyssey app or stream us at www.1057thefan.com.
0: Jason, fabulous. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Jason. You got it, brother. Thank you. Jason Lock and Four, just wonderful. We will come back allegedly with James Carville and Jeff Ma. We'll see. You <laughs> never really know. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X Chair, Reed. You may love your work, but do you love your office chair? You would if you got an X Chair. With an X Chair, you can actually look forward to sitting in your office because your body will feel so much more supported and comfortable. And more comfort means more productivity. Helping your X chair pay for itself thanks to how much more work you'll be getting done every day. Do you see how they did that? Yeah. Do you see they sort of guilt you into doing <laughs> something? It's very, very smart. I'm in an X chair now. I love it. <laughs> I do. If you're feeling tight or stressed, just turn on the LMAX massage feature and choose from four different massage options. If the office is running too hot or too cold, flip on the LMAX temperature regulation. Either heat or cool your lower back. And once you feel the customized support of X chairs Indeed. dynamic variable lumbar, or DVL to those in the know. Your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Look, <clears throat> excuse me for coughing. It's very dry in this house, and it's early. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free, for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair shall be, should be, you're never going to go back. It's Eddie Murphy. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X-Chair-T-O-N-Y.com, or call 844 X Chair for $100 off your order. X Chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtony.com Don't be stupid. Use the code. These things are good. I have one I'm sitting in it. It's good. <laughs> You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The
3: Tony Kornheiser
0: Show. Once again, this is the Pat McGee Band. This is from their most recent release, which is called Sugar Packet. was recorded in Falls Church, Virginia, though Pat McGee at this point lives in Barrington, Rhode Island. Listeners in the Atlanta area can see the next performance February 6th at Eddie's Attic in Decatur, Georgia, and Virginia, D.C. and Maryland natives can grab tickets to D.C.'s City Winery March 26th for a Pat McGee and Friends show. How about that? Uh, this is called Bookends, and... Michael, not bookends from Simon and Garfunkel, yes. of course, and other okay. bookends. If people like Pat McGee, who we're very grateful that he sent his music, if they want to send their music, how do they do it?
1: Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. He's
0: a real pro. Yes. I mean, he's a professional yes. musician, which matters. And a former high school basketball player, which matters as well. And he plays in James Carville. James did not have the world's greatest week last week. Picked them all, went 2-4, and four, is 39-45 and 45 overall. But as we get into the playoffs, as they, you know, say... <laughs> Uh, in the red zone, it's the witching hour. Wins become losses, losses become wins. <laughs> right? Yeah, Who do you right. like? Who do you
3: like? Well, I, I I have a one moral dilemma game. What? And that is, I I'm so pulling for Cincinnati because of, well, because the, of both. You know, and Chase and Chase too. You know? Right. That's right. But I I, I think the that the, Tennessee front four is going to just give him hell. That, that he, 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 however good he is, if he had a, a better than average offensive line, he'd be unhurt. You wouldn't even believe how good he is.
5: But I'm going to take the Bengals.
3: Just I mean, this is this is a part play, not a head play.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, let me let me ask you this because you watched them because LSU matters. When you see Burrow. And, and the debate of, of whether or not to take Jamar Chase or take an offensive lineman, it's a legitimate right, right. question. But they Chase is so good, you got to take him, right?
3: Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. And I agree. And, and, and he helps because he gets open fast and Barr can get rid of the ball really fast.
0: Yes. And yes.
3: Barr is, what, 23 years old or something like that? And obviously, everybody knows Cincinnati needs offensive linemen, you know. Because uh, that's just a, a, a weakness they got. But however great Bar is, you can imagine how great he would be if he was operating behind somebody could block I mean, oh, I mean I They look like st- they slightly better than last year when he got killed.
0: They are slightly better, and he's releasing the ball even quicker. And now if you're an offensive lineman... And you say, if I want to hitch my wagon to this guy for 10 years, why don't I go play for him? You know, you might yeah. want to be a free no. agent. You might. No, I, All right, I, what I,
3: else you I, got? Uh, uh, San Francisco's at Green Bay, right?
0: Yes, five and a I, half. I,
3: I, I, I like the dog there. You do? You like uh, San Francisco? I kind of do. They're, they're, they're better than people think. I mean, I, I know Jimmy Garoppolo is not uh Rogers, but I still kind of like him. And uh,
0: Okay.
3: You got uh the, the Rams.
0: I got the, the Rams, Rams two and a half. Two and a half.
3: Two and a half? Yeah. Uh, I take uh, who I take the dog.
0: You're gonna take the Rams over Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay.
3: Okay. No, no, no. I'm gonna take Tampa Bay, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. you're gonna sorry. take Tampa, I to Bay. I'm okay. Tampa Bay. I got Tampa Bay and I got uh, and I got uh, Green Bay, and you got the Bills going to Kansas City. Man, That's I, Kansas I City, one and a half. I think I'm going to take
0: Kansas City. I hate to do it. But, but Kansas City. Good. We've seen that game I've before. I'll be pulling against, pulling against my country. Huh? We've seen that game before, <laughs> Buffalo and Kansas City, and Kansas City has beaten them in the, in the right. AFC finals last year, right?
3: Like, that's right. That's it was the last year. Right? Yeah. But I mean, it's Buffalo uh, yeah. is it yeah. good. I mean, I, 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 obviously, full phone, but they're not Cincinnati.
0: Are you making breakfast? <laughs> yeah. What do you think people that's... do nowadays? <laughs> so great. <laughs> so, great. <laughs> so great. I thank you, James. Good luck with all of this. Hi right. at home to everybody. Right. James Carville, right. boys and girls. It's wonderful. He's okay. making breakfast. Yeah, breakfast with James. Yeah, it's just. That ought to be. He ought to do that as a show. Absolutely. Coffee's ready. You know, yeah. he ought to do it as a show. Yeah. Uh, do we have Jeff Ma?
2: I believe Sean is is efforting that as we speak.
0: Okay. Just so great. <laughs> you always. It's the weird sounds that you get from people
2: where they think that I guess that they're
0: holding a phone, so they figure you can't hear. Right. Like yeah. yesterday on the PTI show, my phone rang. It just rang. And Michael has programmed it with this sort of sappy uh, music. And then they announce who the caller is. Oh, that could get you in trouble <laughs> you know, on TV. But it, no, but it it's an unknown caller. Oh, It was an unknown caller. You know, and then Tracy went crazy. <laughs> she said, why, why don't you <laughs> shut the sound off? And I said, I, I don't know how to put it back on if yeah. I shut it off. <laughs> I don't have any idea. So anyway. Anyway, tell me when we have Jeff. He's there. Okay. Jeff was two and two last week. I uh, picked only four games. He's 51 and 40 overall. We only have seven more games. Even if he loses them all, if you have bet with Jeff Ma, you made money. You made money. You thank Jeff Ma. You pick up, bet the process, and you, you thank him for this because you've made money. Right? You had a good year. With us, anyway, you had a good year. Who you like this week?
4: Um, hey, just one thing. I was listening to the pod that you guys did earlier this week with Chuck Todd, who obviously yes. I can congratulate for his, his uh, hotness right now. But um, yes, you talked hot. a little bit about the, the lines and whether the lines are, you know, like the, the notion that he knows more about the teams and whatnot. But the lines, in, in my mind, at least at this point of the year, tend to be very, very efficient because this is the market. And ultimately, the market just gets smarter over time. And so given going into this week and then also when you go into the Super Bowl, the lines become more and more efficient. Now, the difference is as we go into the playoffs and to the Super Bowl, there's just a different composition of the market, meaning that there's a lot more public money in the market, and the public money matters a lot. The Super Bowl is typically the only game where the line is shaped much more by the public money than the sharp or professional bettors. So, just something to think about as we go into these last, you know, few weeks, which is that the market is very efficient, but also the market is comprised of, of different people at this point. Um, in the last
0: makes- in the last twenty four hours, Jeff, the lines that we gave Chuck Todd, three of them have come down, in, in three different cases, the underdog is getting a half point less that is a is that just a reflection of money being bet or does somebody to somebody greater change the line
4: uh it's hard to say and that that is actually what i'm getting at and this is why you're uh a legendary journalist because you know how to ask the right questions uh the 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 the, the, the Hard to know for sure. Like normally in earlier during a regular season, if you see lions move at this time of the week, it's typically going to be very smart money. But but some of this is is going to be based on news, right? There there may be some news, in the market's reflecting mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, that Garoppolo is going to play for sure, and that you know Bosa may be back and Warner may be back, and that's why that Green Bay number moved off of six to five and a half. Right, um, the other numbers the other numbers are probably just more a reflection of you know just some of the money that they're seeing in the market.
0: Who do you like?
4: All right, we're gonna take um, Tennessee minus the three and a half. This is one that's tough. I mean ultimately the buy um, from a statistical standpoint is worth about a point and a half. Home field is worth you know at this point maybe two points, if even. So you're kind of saying that Tennessee and Cincinnati are even teams. I think the big difference is that Tennessee is is as healthy as they've been in a long while, and Cincinnati obviously has some injuries on the defensive line. And um, I think they're going to struggle to stop Tennessee. Tennessee um, runs play action a lot when they have Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, and Cincinnati struggles against play action. So this will be a game where I think Tennessee will score a lot of points. I actually think Cincinnati will score also. So I like also the over 47 and a half in this game. Um, so those are, those are two plays on that game.
0: Okay. I'm going to take the over, San
4: Francisco look. plus the five and a half. Um, this is a tough one because obviously I like the six uh, much more than the five and a half. That does make a difference in my mind, but um, uh, I I do think that this is a challenging matchup for Green Bay, who I think will have trouble stopping San Francisco's run. Um, I don't think Green Bay will have trouble scoring at all. So I do think this will be a case of, um, you know, how much can San Francisco keep up with them and how much can that run um, really, you know, so sort of slow down Green Bay's pace of play. But um, I think this will be a relatively high-scoring game also, obviously. The weather is, is a concern because it will be cold. Um, one thing on the weather, I mean, a lot of people have talked about the weather and then New England game and New England game was very high scoring. New England-Buffalo game was very high scoring. Um, the big thing on weather, obviously, is, is wind, much less than temperature. Temp- like low temperature games have tended to go over the total because people uh, bet the total under because of the weather, but re- the temperature. But really the, the thing that matters is the wind. So if you're looking at these games and scoring and totals, it's the wind that matters.
0: It's like in golf. The wind is the the enemy of the golfer. Yeah. The wind. Okay. In in the Rams and Tampa Bay?
4: I'm going to take Tampa minus the three. I know there's a ton of concern about Tampa's health on the offensive line um, and even in their skill positions, um, but I I just like Tampa at home against a Rams team that, like, honestly – um, probably looked better than they played last week. Um, they, they struggled to run. They, you know, Arizona really just imploded more than anything. And the roster composition of the Rams being so top-heavy, it, it's just never proven to work particularly well in the NFL. Um, so I, I think Tampa wins here, um, and I also like the over in that game, which is 48. So um, just another thing to watch.
0: By the way, I don't, we we because. Wilbon loves Arizona teams, no matter who they are. He just loves them and insists they're better than they actually are. But we had a question on Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury's three years at Arizona. The last half of the season is dreadful compared to the first half, Jeff. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah, I don't know that you make bets on coaches. You know what I mean? That How much you factor in a coach. But if you have a consistent... You know, low end result in the second half of a season by a particular coach, does that influence your bet at all?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has to. I think ultimately what you do as a better is you have sort of these objective factors. So you try to quantify everything and wrap it into a model that predicts like what the point spread is. And then certainly if you're a, a better that knows qualitative measures, like subjective factors, figuring in something like Kingsbury and, and you know, his. I mean it is documented. He, his teams have played worse down the stretch than they did at the beginning and certainly Arizona looked really?
0: like Really? It's dramatic. Yeah. It's dramatic yeah, it how is. this happens three years in a row. All right, one more game. Buffalo, Kansas City. Great game. Yeah, this, potentially this, this great is game. A tough,
4: yeah, it's a tough one. Um I would say it's a literal coin flip, but then I'd be using the word literal incorrectly. Um but it's um <laughs> It's 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 a tough one and ultimately this is where I would tell you you've got to think about this like the market right and when you buy low and sell high and right now if you were to talk about Buffalo would you say that you are you would be buying the highest that you could buy or selling the highest that you could sell right they certainly looked as good as a team could ever look yes. against New England Yes and yes. you would say that Kansas City is a, is a teeny bit underrated. I mean, you're getting Mahomes at under a field goal at home. I mean, when do we think we'd get that in Mahomes' sort of career? So um, I think you got to go with Kansas City here. If you know minus the one and a half, I just I just think that Buffalo is you're buying the top here, um, and so you 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 need to sell the top and you take Kansas City.
0: I agree with that. <clears throat> I've thought Kansas City, Kansas City's like 10-1 in their last 11. I have thought that Kansas City has been underrated because their start was so bad. I also, in my own mind, think that Tennessee is under-respected. I mean, they're the number one seed, and almost nobody thinks, you know, when you project who's going to be in the Super Bowl, almost nobody thinks they're going to be in the Super Bowl. If you say, well, who's going to be in the Super Bowl? You know, Jeff, you don't hear, well, I'm committed to Tennessee. I don't hear that as much as I thought I would. So,
4: Yeah, anyway. I mean, we did a we did what's called the Calcutta auction of all the uh, NFL teams, and we did it with a bunch of professional bettors. Um, and Tennessee, I believe, was like the number four or five team to go below, you know, Green Bay, below Tampa, well below yeah. Buffalo, well below KC. Actually, so they were the number five team to go. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it, it, it is a little bit of disrespect. It's disrespect by um, professional betters, by the market. I mean, I, I think they're not considered to be in the top four to five contenders um, for the Super no. Bowl, even as the number one team in the AFC. So, so I think it, it, is, it will be interesting if that disrespect is warranted or if this is a case where, you know, they, they're, they provide tremendous value in, in this NFL playoff.
0: Well, I don't know how it's going to work, but if Derrick Henry were to come back and gain 125 yards, people would go, oh, my, (laughs) they're a different team, aren't they, with Derrick Henry? Oh, my. So, well, we'll see. Thank you, Jeff. Best to Rufus. Thanks, Tony. Bet the Process is Jeff Ma's podcast with Rufus and not Rufus T. Firefly, (laughs) who was Groucho Marx in one of those movies. Uh, We'll take a break, email, and jingle. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening. You're
3: listening. To the Tony Kornheiser Show
6: He's got your emails and your notes He'll read them for all you folks Cause it's the mailbag Yeah, it's the mailbag
0: If you drive a car No Subaru No Subaru. (laughs) No faxing. He might pick
6: you. If you send free stuff, you'll get right through.
0: (laughs) Right through. Great, Sean. We were supposed to hear that yesterday. We're glad we're hearing it today. Sherry, <laughs> yes. boys and girls. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel app
2: Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled.
0: That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say my grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma grandma told your grandma, I'm going to set your flag on fire. Talking about, hey, now, hey, no Ico, Ico on day. Giacomo Fino on and day. Giacomo Fino on and day. Um, that's that's "Ico Ico" by the
2: Dixie Cups, and you have put that in because oh yeah, uh, Ros- Rosalie Hawkins, uh, one of the, one of the Dixie Cups, one of the originals, um, passed away. "Ico Ico" on day is a great. It's great a song. great. Apparently, they did it just sort of like on the spur of the moment in between in between recording other stuff. Great song. It's amazing.
0: Thanks yeah. to our guest, Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports, James Carville, Jeff Ma, host about the process. Thanks as well to today's sponsor, Shopify and XShare. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you have the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. I'm going to get to a couple of things in the mailbag, and then I'm going to talk a little bit. Uh, These are the, the ones, the mailbag things about Applebee's. From Jason in Mechanicsburg. Just got done listening to Monday's pod, was struck with the urge to write. I, too, saw Applebee's ad over the weekend. Immediately upon hearing it, I thought to myself, Tony's going to have something to say about this. As I was listening, I was taken completely aback by the question, how does this happen? How does Applebee's get to use this song for the commercial? Well, Dr. Hoffwath, if I learned anything from this show, it's the answer to all your questions is money. (laughs) Applebee's obviously paid a king's ransom for the rights to use this song, and seeing as how there are no new episodes of Cheers coming on in the foreseeable future, I'm sure the songwriter is pleased to get some more money for his or her work. Also, per Nigel's comment about the Beatles music being used for a sneaker commercial, it was revolution, it was Nike. The interesting thing about this is that Paul McCartney agrees it was strange, and in fact blasphemy for that song to be used in a commercial for sneakers. It wasn't McCartney or any Beatle who authorized this, but Michael Jackson after purchasing the licensing rights to the Beatles catalog. i recall seeing an interview with Sir Paul where he went ballistic talking (laughs) about how his perceived friend Jackson went behind his back and outbid him for the rights to their music and then proceeded to profit off the catalog by licensing out the songs to various sources. I believe Sir Paul eventually got the rights back after some time. Thanks for all the years (laughs) of entertainment. I also recently purchased the Albany's Gummy Bears. They were a big hit with the family. From John Pearson in Milwaukee. In my lifetime, I've had someone who had no level of success or creativity specifically set out to destroy one portion of my career and succeed, had multiple relationships crash and burn due to dishonesty and disloyalty, seen injustice happen to family and friends, watched corporate malfeasance cause blight and poverty in a community that I loved and seen intolerance pull apart different parts of my world. That being said, I've never been able to muster up the anger and venom that Tony worked up because the theme song to Cheers is now being used to promote Applebee's. My inability to gin up outrage may be part of why my broadcasting career did not get where I had hoped. I just hope Tony never finds out that Quaker State is planning to use Harry Nilsson's theme to the courtship of Eddie's father to sell motor oil. From Brian in New Braunfels, Texas. Who allowed Applebee's to use the Cheers theme song? Benjamin Franklin. Everybody knows his name. The answer to all of your questions is money. Lucas Schoolfield, first-time emailer. Thank you so much for addressing this. I'm 33 years old. I started watching Cheers in 2020 at the start of the pandemic. My dad, Pete Schoolfield, loves Cheers and has always loved listening to you, so this makes sense for it to be my first email to the show. Cheers is an amazing show. It is so relatable. It resonates with me, even though it started airing before I was alive. I'm almost through season eight, and every single time I watch, it warms my heart. When I saw that Applebee's commercial for the first time, I immediately texted my family that it should be illegal for them to use the Cheers intro song. It legitimately makes me mad. Your reasons for why hit the nails on all the heads. Thank you for standing up for this, and please do everything you can to get that commercial off the air. From Bill Matfeld. In Fort Mill, South Carolina, thank you, thank you, thank you for going off on the appropriation of Cheers by some money-grubbing national chain. You gave voice to my outrage. I'm 48, and Cheers was the beloved sitcom of my youth. It was suggested by Nigel, who I thought would also be enraged since Cheers was uh, it was particularly beloved in Boston, that perhaps they're trying to tap into 80s nostalgia. Well, I can tell you that it'll have the opposite effect on this particular little. You go into one Applebee's, you've been into them all. They all have the same local high school memorabilia in the same places in every restaurant. Hardly feels local. Feels more like you're being sold something by a corporation. Anyway, keep fighting the good fight. Brendan in Arlington. A Cheers David Aldrich moment. Many years ago, I worked in Evansville, Indiana, where they had a Cheers replica bar. Ted Danson came through to do an event for the campaign I was working on. Afterwards, I proposed we take a walk down the street to check the bar out and get some pictures. He gave me a look that could have kept all the kegs cold for a month and said, No, I don't think we'll be doing that, my friend. (laughs) Apparently, he was not so eager to go to a place where everyone knew his name. And from Jim in Lutherville, which I assume is Lutherville, Maryland. Nobody, nobody knows your name at Applebee's. Maybe McGoobie's, not Applebee's. Nobody. Let me get to something else. Found out when we started the show that Meatloaf himself had passed away, apparently within the last 10 or 12 hours. Uh, And I say that at 8.05 on Friday morning. Marvin Adey, Marvin Adey, I think his name, before he became Meatloaf. He became Meatloaf after he met Jimmy Steinman. Um, And those two had a great and tempestuous relationship over a long period of time. Jimmy was the creative force for all of the Meatloaf songs. But Jimmy couldn't sing like Meatloaf. Meatloaf could stand there, and he could deliver a rock and roll song with a Wagnerian operatic voice. The first time you heard Meatloaf, you just stopped, you said, whoa, whoa. The first time you heard, two out of three ain't bad, you heard that voice, you went, wow, what is this? They were meteoric. I mean, Bad Outta Hell remains, I believe, one of the top 10 selling albums of all time. That's the big one. They did other things, did other things together, did other things separately. None of it achieved the level of Bad Outta Hell. Bad Outta Hell is a great piece of art. If you don't know the songs on it, go get it. All the songs are the same. They're exactly the same. They're overproduced. They're overmodulated. They're oversung. Anything you want to put the word over, before, they're that. And they're fabulous. They're absolutely fabulous. Meatloaf's voice is an is a one-of-a-kind voice. And I'm sure that Jimmy tried to recreate that with other people. I mean, Jimmy worked with Barbara Streisand, and he worked with Celine Dion. He worked with Air Supply, the only good song Air Supply ever did. Jimmy Steinman produced for them. And he worked with, who else did he work with? Did I say Celine Dion? Bonnie Tyler. Yes. yes. Bonnie Tyler, everybody knows that song. Yeah. You know, Totally Clips of the Heart, everybody knows that song. But nobody that Jimmy ever worked with made you stand there and stop dead in your tracks the way Meatloaf did. They were theatrical people. Jimmy wanted to write plays. He ultimately did write plays. He wrote musicals. He wrote one musical, Whistle Down the Wind, I think it was called, with who's the great British, come on, help me out here, the The great British composer and lyricist and theatrical person. Andrew Lloyd Webber? Andrew Lloyd went. Oh, thank Jimmy you. Jimmy wrote thank with him. It didn't hit. It didn't hit. It didn't work. Whistle down the wind. Didn't work. But he got to work with him. That's all Jimmy ever wanted to do. He wanted to produce plays in Central Park with Joseph Papp. That's how he met Meatloaf. Meatloaf was an aspiring actor, if I'm not mistaken. And the group was managed by my other friend, David Sonnenberg. And David got in the middle of them all. You know, I mean, it was, again, it was tempestuous. It, it, it didn't last long. How does the lyric go? It was too hot not to cool down. And that's what happened. It was this incandescent relationship that produced, again, I'll just say this you know, forever and ever and ever, produced in Bad Out of Hell, one of the greatest albums ever made. And you sit down and you listen to these songs. You listen to the lyrics of these songs. You listen to the delivery of these songs. You listen to the production of these songs. And you're blown away. I mean, at least I am. Somebody my age is. This was completely new, and I've told this story a thousand times. The first time I saw him on Saturday Night Live, I went, oh, my God, that's Jimmy Steinman playing the keyboards with this. I didn't know who they were. They're doing Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. And Two Out of Three Ain't Bad is it's a completely arresting song. You cannot move till it's over. You know, the lyrics of that song are just tremendous. There ain't no Coupe de Ville hiding in the bottom of a Cracker Jack box. You know, it's, you know, come on. What are the songs, do you have a list of the songs on the album, on Bad Out of Hell? Yes, uh, uh, Bad Out of Hell, you took the words right out of my mouth. took the words right out of my mouth. Right. That's a song yeah. essentially written for Wendy Rieger to sing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, essentially. Heaven Can Wait, All, revved up, can no wait. all revved up With No Place To Go. Heaven Can Wait, All Revved Up With No Place To Go. the Same song, go ahead. Some song you may have heard of called Paradise by the Dashboard yeah, Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and For Crying Out Loud. Yeah. That's the last one. So, uh, so by the way, so, uh, according to Wikipedia, it uh, says, continues to sell about 200,000 copies per year, estimated 34 to 40 million tremendous. copies worldwide. Tremendous. It is the highest selling album in Australian history. So the Aussies really like it. You know. And now Jimmy is gone, and now Meatloaf is gone. Yeah. And they're
0: it. They're the band. Well, yeah. whoever else was with them, that's nice. Have a soda. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's them. So, so that is my tribute to meatloaf. If you're out on your bike tonight, everybody, as always, do wear white.
6: Why do I want to puke? Fox lit up the sky around me When it came to us We should sure put up a fight We weathered the storms the best we could Time's breaking up, connects us for life. ages of memories that we create to fill up these shelves. It'll never be enough. Can I just get one more ride on our carousel? Nobody's ever really ready to leave the party early. The Irish burn down the candles sometimes way too long. I'm unfinished. I'm unread. Sometimes I'm on everything I hope I leave these grounds before y'all Because I'm bound to come bound without my bookends You're the parent, not the friend they say all that But don't tell mine In my folks, i never found A better friend In all my life I'm unfinished I'm unread I'm unwritten Sometimes I'm on everything I hope I leave these grounds Before y'all Because Good.